What was fascinating from my vantage point was how many people knew the words, knew the tune, could sing it. Well, perhaps you were helped a little bit by having the words on the screen, but, uh, uh, but nonetheless recognized. And of course, it was one from my era too. Um, some of you will know that there's a sort of connection, especially in the States, between sort of country, gospel, uh, um, you know, spiritual and rock type, the rock sort of music. There's a line that goes through there. I don't know if it's a golden thread, um, but there's a line that goes through there that connects those. And it is suggested that actually Jeremiah chapter 31 was behind uh, the words of this song. Jeremiah chapter 31. I'm going to read a few verses from Jeremiah chapter 31. So if you want to go there, uh, you'll see some different words from those on the screen. But nonetheless, uh, they're good ones. So Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again. And you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you'll take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. Again, you'll plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria, and so on. And then verse 31, which Steve has very kindly read to us, but I'm going to repeat it. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, this is the covenant I will make with the people after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. The title I was given for this morning was simply, Love That Can Last. It's all about covenant and relationships. This song that we just played that so many of you obviously knew um, is a heart cry from my teenage years, uh, which, in which we had faced you know, the 60s sexual revolution when people had been exploring a different type of morality from that which most of my generation had been brought up with to see if there was a better pattern of greater flexibility where we could be much more open in relationships, where sexual relationships could be uh, hugely varied in all sorts of different ways, where faithfulness was not the key because that was like a prison, and uh, where People could have freedom. It was all about sexual freedom, sexual revolution, until you discover the fruit of that, which is about brokenness and tragedy. And there was a 
heart cry in that song even. Is there, can there be a love that lasts even after the pain of betrayal and the foolishness of someone who has walked away from something that was really precious? Can there be an everlasting love again? Can we build relationships that are permanent? Is there such a thing as everlasting love? Or do we have to content ourselves with constant alienation, broken relationships, where nothing can be trusted to be permanent, and we definitely can't put our confidence in other people? Interestingly enough, in the 1990s, in three states of uh, the USA, uh, there was a growing recognition of the problem of increasing divorce rates, which was leading to family misery, insecure children. Uh, By the way, this is in three states which were quite Christian. The percentage of church-going people was still quite large, but they were struggling with this new morality and an increasing push towards divorce and family breakup. Laws in those states in the 90s were were passed to develop something new. It was called covenant marriage. (laughs) Not very new, perhaps, for many of us who understand that marriage is a solemn covenant between a man and a wife. Now, this involved some interesting things. It involved much more rigorous premarital preparation and counseling so that people understood the nature of the relationship that they were walking into. Uh, In the event of strain in marriage... Uh, they were looking for statutory counselling. In other words, you don't decide, this is awful and I'm out of here. This is a covenant marriage. You can't walk out that quickly. This is a new type of marriage. Now you have to work through your problems. So the thing that was espoused in this new covenant marriage of the 1990s was that people would actually work through their issues and they would accept counselling for the challenges that they faced in marriage. And there were definitely much more limited reasons for divorce. So incompatibility of various types, for instance, was not a reason for which you could separate. Um, Adultery was one, there were one or two others, but it was very, very much more narrowed down so that people understood when they walked into it, there was, if you like, a different sort of prenup agreement that was going on, and that this was forever, and bar disaster, it was not going to finish. Isn't that interesting? That in the midst of chaos and brokenness of relationships, somehow people are looking for something better. Because we know that this history of unfaithfulness and brokenness and unreliability and tension and warfare in relationships and all the rest of it is not 
what was planned for us in the first place. Now, this is one of these golden threads, as the leaders have called this series, that runs through the big Bible story. There is a love that endures, that lasts, that undergirds all of our lives, and it's God's love. It's something that he has, well, he has in himself. It's not something that he decides to do to love with an everlasting love. It's something that he does because of who he is. He is faithful and he is good and his love is enduring and it is forever. And that's how he loves people in this world. And it comes to us in such a way that we can access it. (laughs) We can make it our own. We can live in the security of this love where we know we are secure with God and we're walking with with him and there is no hesitation about that. There's no lack of assurance that God is with us. One of the things that always amazes me when I talk to different people and some of them quite sort of, one would hope, mature Christians is, is how much they say, well, everything's going wrong for me. I wonder if God still loves me. Uh... That's one of those stupid questions that we should never even ask. If we can see all the initiative that he's taken in, the, in our lives and all the goodness that he's poured out, um, you know, that's a, that's a silly question. But it's still one that we ask. When life turn, seems to turn against us and we hit our troubles of one sort or another and we're powerless, and here's the problem, we're powerless to change it ourselves into anything better or healthier, we start to ask, is God really for us? Has he loved us with this, uh, with this everlasting love? But that's the message of the Bible. It comes through Old Testament and New Testament, and it's worth reminding ourselves again as we talk about God's covenant love. The whole point, I suppose, about these three states looking for a covenant marriage is there is something really strong about covenant. Um, You know, farmers sometimes find there's a covenant across their land that people are free to walk across their land. There is absolutely nothing they can do about it. They close up hedges, they put gates in the way, they try and put crops all across the fields to, to stop people walk, but they can't because it's a covenant. If you've got a covenant on your land, you're in trouble. Uh, Salton Light Church in Tees Valley, where Martin Dunkley, our celebration speaker, comes from, uh, bought uh, a big factory complex, a little bit like this, um, on a site that was owned by Tetley's Tea Company, whatever they call themselves. Uh, And one of the big questions that they asked themselves is, of course, could they serve alcohol at events in this building? They discovered that they couldn't, They couldn't because Tetley had put a covenant on the land, no alcohol in any building on this land. And they still can't and don't. It stopped them having the sort of argument that some of our OCC leaders had a few years ago when we were discussing the same question here. It was one of the hottest arguments that we've had as a group of leaders. Do we serve alcohol? Don't we serve alcohol? There you go. And uh, the answer that we came up with is we'll serve alcohol in closed events, but not in open events. So that's the way it works for us. But, but the church in the Northeast didn't have to discuss it at all because it was a covenant. It couldn't be broken. It's established forever. 
when Lorraine and I bought the house that we're actually living in now, we discovered that there was a covenant on this uh, house that, that no one could park a caravan in front of the house. And so we went to our solicitor and we said, uh, we're caravanners, we like our caravan, and we want to park it right in front of our house. So what, about, what do we do about this covenant? The solicitor looked at us and said, well, this covenant was established many years ago by a builder who's now dead. Who's going to enforce it? We took that as permission from him <laughs> that we didn't need to worry at all, and we did park our caravan in front of our house for several years until we sold it. So there you go. But the point about covenant is it can't be broken. We couldn't, we couldn't break, break it in the sense of uh, sort of dispensing with it or loosing ourselves from the covenant, the only thing we'd hope is that nobody came and complained because it was a law that was fixed. It was something that was established. It was a state of affairs that couldn't be changed. This is God's covenant love. And he always, always, always deals with his people in the context of covenant. Now, your relationship with God does not depend on how good you are from week to week. It doesn't depend on, you know, whether you read your Bible and pray every day, although that's a good habit to get into. It doesn't depend on whether you come to church and whether you worship him and all the rest of it. Your relationship with God does not depend on those things. It actually depends on God himself, who's brought us into a covenant relationship through Christ. But I'm running ahead of myself there because I want just to highlight, if I can, some other covenant relationships. So God made covenant, as you will have heard earlier this year when we were talking about the big story in this church, um, God made covenant at the time of creation. He made a covenant with Adam and Eve that he would bless them. That he would bless them. And he promised blessings on creation because what he'd made was good he promised a curse on sin which of course is the other side of the covenant that when you sin things go wrong but he promised redemption that sin wouldn't have a permanent effect on creation but there would be redemption that would come from God himself that was a fixed state of affairs and so it was so it was. When we walked the wrong way, it did lead us into trouble, but God came to us in Christ to redeem all of that and to redeem the curse of sin. God made a covenant with Noah, righteous Noah. It was an unconditional promise never to destroy all earthly life by natural disaster again. The rainbow is the sign of this promise of the covenant. It's a sign that promises mercy. He could wipe us out as a just desert for our sin, but he won't. He won't, because he's a loving God. He won't punish us as our sins deserve. He made a covenant with Abraham. This was an unconditional promise of descendants and land. Unconditional. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's why Israel has its land today. He made a covenant with Abraham, which was a conditional promise. It's interesting. He made two covenants with Abraham. 
And I'm going to come back to this a little bit later. But he made two covenants. And the second one was that he was going to be Abraham's God and he would walk with him all the way he journeyed. And that would be based on Abraham's consecration. If Abraham would walk with God, God would walk with him. He made a covenant with the people of Israel. It's a conditional promise. He promised to be Israel's God if they will live by his law and walk in his ways. And by the way, in most of these covenants, not in all of them, but in most of them, you get this phrase repeated. I'm going to make a covenant with you, he says. I will be your God and you will be my people. Okay, now I want you to notice that's a very important order. (laughs) He doesn't say, if you'll be my people, I'll be your God. Because that puts the burden of responsibility on you and me. No, 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 that's not the way it works at all. He says, I will be your God. He, the big boy, is deciding what happens in this relationship. Do we understand that? He's saying, I will be your God. And you will be my people, by the way. In other words, you will show righteousness and purity in the earth and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, and you'll be kind to people, and you'll bring justice in the earth and all the rest of it. But it starts with, I will be your God. This is how covenant works. God takes the initiative. By the way, he also promised uh, a covenant relationship with Phineas. I thought I ought to mention him for completeness. It's an odd one, this. And Phineas doesn't get much mention in the Old Testament. But actually, God made a covenant with this very special, very loyal priest. And what I like about this is God blesses people who are little known to him, uh, but who will serve him with consecration and zeal in their hearts. And he does it with Phineas, who was a zealous priest, and it was an unconditional promise to continue his line. He made a covenant with David, an unconditional promise to bless David's dynasty, and through that, the whole of Israel. He made a covenant, a new covenant that we've just read. (laughs) Jeremiah prophesies, I will make a new covenant. Not like the old covenant. The problem with the old covenant was it was written on tablets of stone. don't know if you've ever been in those churches where the Ten Commandments are sort of engraved in stone at the front of the church. Uh, I can remember years ago going to one of those churches and dutifully sort of bowing my head as people do in sort of religious building, you know, bow my head, sort of said, sort of saying, God, thank you that I'm here and thank you that you're here and I'm looking to meet you. And I lift my eyes up to the front of the church and there are the Ten Commandments. And I think, hmm, haven't done so well on quite a few of those. Do you understand what I mean? And you're left with this feeling of condemnation and because the, the problem with the old covenant is, it says, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And I think I have, and I have, and I have. But the promise of the new covenant, Jeremiah prophesies, is, 
I will make a new covenant with my people and I will write my laws in your heart. And that thou shalt not becomes thou shalt not. You have a different desire. You have a different motivation. There's something within you that wants to behave differently because you've met the love of a loving father who sent his son Jesus to bridge the gap between us and God and bring us into his kingdom. Hallelujah. So God puts his promises in the framework of covenant. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? Why did he just say, look, here we are, here's salvation, you know, take it or leave it. No, 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 no. He wants us to be, he wants us to be secure in our relationship with him. He wants to emphasize that God has a special relationship with his people. Covenant isn't a contract, it's a relational bond of love, honor, and protection. I will be your God, and you will be my people. It gives God's people grounds for security as they walk with him. I will be your God. And you will be my people. This is not something I decide I'll do today and then tomorrow. No, I'll forget, I'll forget that. I, I lied. Uh, it's not like that at all. And it allows God initiative in offering relationship and to lay the foundations of this relationship. He wants us. Now, can I say this loud and clear to every single individual here? He wants every single person here to know that we are loved by him and that he's reaching out to you and he's reaching out to me in love. He says, I'll be your God. You can be my people, but I'll be your God. I'll be your God. You can have the big boy walking alongside you as your God. Okay, a big God who's able to do everything he's ever said or promised. Interesting enough, the book of Hebrews talks about this new covenant being a better covenant than the old one. If God continually kept faith with Israel, rescued them, came after them, didn't give up on them, they went out into exile, but they came back again because God was bringing them back. They went into Egypt, they came out because God was bringing because God was their God. If God would do that for Israel, who weren't the most faithful people, and he didn't give up on them, the New Testament says there's something even better for us. And he's established a better covenant for us. It's not like the old covenant of the Old Testament, but it depended on a lot of Israel's energy and decision and strength and all the rest of it. No, no, no. This better covenant has been established because we've got a better priest, and that's Jesus himself. It's a better sacrifice, that's Jesus himself. There's a longer-lasting sacrifice. Jesus' death has permanent, not temporary effect. And because it's made the old one obsolete, and now gives us hope of this interior work being in the, done in the heart of men and women. That's, that's what gives us genuine hope. Because God's able to work in you and me by his Holy Spirit when he says, I'll be your God. He's able to change our heart. He's able to change our attitudes. He's able to change us from the inside out. Now that's why we break bread as we have done here this morning. Because 
your walk with God and my walk with God and my security with God and your security with God does not depend, it does not depend on how good you are or how well you feel you're walking with God. Oh, today it's pretty good. I think I'm pretty close to God today. Well, what about tomorrow when you feel far from God? What about that? See, our emotions are up and down like crazy. They're like the, you know, the sort of horses roundabout, where those horses keep going up and down. That's, that's what our emotions are like. Why do we break bread like this? This seems a funny thing to do, doesn't it, when you think about it? That Christians right round the globe today will have one way or another celebrated with bread and wine the death of the Lord Jesus. Well, I'll tell you why. Because this is God's way of saying, I have done something which is irreversible. I have done something which is permanent. I have come in Christ to save you from your sin, to bring forgiveness, to wash you through the blood of Jesus by his forgiveness at work in your lives. And it's permanent. Doesn't matter how you and I feel. Because one Sunday we feel good, and the next Sunday we feel pretty rubbish. One day we feel good, the next day we feel pretty rubbish. But this is something that has been done objectively in in a historical time. Christ came forth to die for the sins of the world at a historical moment. It's there for all to see. And if we want any security, we look back and say, there, Jesus died for me. There, at the cross, I was set free. This signals, so the reason we do it as often as we do it is to remind ourselves of the power of Christ's death. That he's brought us into this covenant relationship. We celebrate the objective truth of Christ's death and resurrection, which says, God loves us, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Anybody say amen to that? So, with this cry for covenant relationships, permanent relationships, relationships that last, here are two questions, no three, I want us to ask. Uh, as we uh, bring this down to earth again, to land, into land. First of all, can I, if anyone's doubting this at all this morning, can I be in a long-lasting long relationship with God? The answer is yes. Through the death of Jesus. Now, one of the reasons why this death is one. Old, Old Testament sacrifice was sealed in the midst of death. Normally what they did in, when they were establishing covenant is that two parties, let's suppose Steve and I, Steve, if you just stand over there, please. If Steve and I were making a covenant together, some agreement that we have to walk together uh, as brothers and to be engaged in you know, whatever service we're engaged with together, this is something that's important to us. So what they used to do is they used to 
slaughter certain, certain animals. And one of the reasons why they did that was to say, actually, this is something serious. You may find this a little bit odd, but nonetheless, it says this is something serious, and it's not cheap either. Uh, it's very, very important indeed. So they would slaughter these animals, a pigeon they chop into, and a goat they chop into, and maybe a heifer they chop into. And then and they put one side, one side, one side, the other side. And the two parties who are making this covenant would walk together in the midst of these slaughtered animals and they would meet in the middle and in the midst of death which has cost something which isn't cheap they agree to their covenant relationship and they make covenant with one another uh, that's the old testament pattern thank you very much interesting one when god makes covenant with abraham is that God says to Abraham, Abraham, slaughter the animals, put them either side, and you stand at one end. And it says that God himself came down, like a sort of whirlwind presence into that place. He, he himself walks through the sacrifice, because he wants to make covenant with Abraham. That's a very, very powerful picture. And... What's happened in the cross is that God himself has sent forth his son who offers the perfect sacrifice and who now invites people to join in this covenant relationship with him. So the answer is yes. Yes, you can have a long-lasting relationship with God on the basis of Christ's sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He came as a ransom and sacrifice for our sin. Yes, you can have a long-lasting relationship with God as part of his family, because this is not just an individual thing. This is something we enjoy together, which is why we celebrated bread and wine together and the death of Jesus together. And we see, behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. Now, we're now part of this, this covenant relationship with God. In the world, you often see people who are so alone, living like orphans. They don't know who they belong to. They don't know what's going on in lives, what the meaning of their life is. But, but you come to the Father through Christ, and you, you, you become one of the family, and your spirit orphan spirit is replaced by a spirit of divine sonship or daughterhood and yes because he promises that this life is eternal life this is not short term so long as you live type life as we promise in our marriage services he wants to give us eternal life even on into the new heavens and the new earth we will live with him in a glorious love affair. A glorious love affair with Jesus, where he's the bridegroom and we're the bride. Now, if there's anyone here this morning who does not know that they have a relationship with God that is lasting and permanent, you can today. 
And all you need to do is to come to one of us who you've seen around here in this meeting, come to one of us and say, actually, you know what? I'd really love to find this relationship with God and with Christ that you've been talking about. And your long-lasting relationship with God can start today. And I want to invite you to do that. Now, I want to say to certain Christians who are here, I want to ask this question. Can I be sure? Can I be sure that what I'm enjoying now will continue? That there's permanence in it? That it's trustworthy? Most of the relationships I've had have been uncertain. People have betrayed me or been thoughtless or left me to one side ultimately can I really have can I be sure that God will never let me down and the answer to that too is yes and one of the horrible afflictions that many Christians feel is this lack of assurance that God's really with them and that they belong to him it's a terrible disease because it makes you uncertain all the time constantly riddled with guilt blame am i doing enough those sort of questions listen i'll tell you whether you're doing enough the answer is you never do enough you can't earn this sort of love you can't live a life that you know <laughs> is worthy of this love you just can't do it so let's settle that right at the beginning we can't do that but we can know that God's love comes to us, will come to us, and will never let us down, because actually this is dependent on something else, which is to do with God. His nature. At the beginning of creation, he promises to bless creation and to redeem creation if creation goes wrong. That's precisely what he's done. Why? Because God is love. He can't do anything else but love. God will not turn his back on you. You may find you're estranged from him for a period, but he always brings you back to himself. And one of the things I would love for every single one of us to have as we walk out of this meeting this morning is a deep down assurance that whatever goes wrong, God is still for us, will not abandon us, will not turn his back on us because this covenant does not depend on you but on him and his nature he cannot turn his back on you he cannot stop loving you because his nature is love it would be a violation of his own nature for him to turn his back on you he never does that however much we turn our back on him so the covenant doesn't depend on you. It depends on God's nature. So yes, you can be sure. And I'd love you to be sure today. Yes, because it depends on the sacrifice of Jesus that has happened in history, has permanent validity, and is good for you as well as for me. Indeed, it's good for everyone. We are not just sort of hopeful that God will walk with us and filled with wishful thinking. That's not the basis of our walk with God. And I want to say a third thing. Yes, 
if we receive the Holy Spirit, who is a Holy Spirit of adoption. Now, that's a biblical term. It comes out in Romans chapter 8 in the Bible, where Paul basically asks this So how can we really be sure that we are Christians, that we're God's people? Answer, because God has sent his spirit of adoption into our hearts. This says, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of the king. Whereby we cry out to God. So through this spirit who lives within us, we cry, Abba, Father. I'm part of this family and he's my father. And once that adoption is sealed, it's done. It's legal. And, And you can be sure if you're walking with the Holy Spirit as part of you as part of your life, poured out into you. So this orphan spirit gets replaced by a spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit himself. And if anyone here still wonders, am I, aren't I? Sometimes I think I'm a Christian, sometimes I'm not. That needs to be broken once and for all. And I'll tell you how. By getting someone to pray with you, the Holy Spirit comes down and so fills you and floods you with his life that you know deep down in your knower. You know deep down in your knower. I mean, in your guts, that it's all right between you and God. You're a member of his family. See, reason, well, we can reason all sorts of things out. But when you know things in your knower, because the Holy Spirit, it's slightly complicated in Romans 8, but it says this, the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we're children of God. There's something that deep that happens, mysterious, miraculous, that you can't explain, and I can't explain it either. So don't ask me for the explanation, but I'll tell you it works. God sends his Holy Spirit into his children. He says, it's okay. You're one of mine. You're one of my kids. And that spirit of adoption witnessed me. Abba, Father. And it's one of the saddest things in the world to see Christians who are unsure about whether they belong to Christ or not. Because it's so unnecessary. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come down, fill you up. (laughs) And this is what you get. Now, Let me just ask one final question, and now I really am almost done. Here's a question. Can I live in relationships that last? So suppose you've had a pretty up-and-down experience of relationships. They've been off and on. They've been there, and then they've been broken. And this, regrettably, is what a lot of people experience. Is the hope for me to live another way? Being loved and giving my love in a permanent way. I remember at my eldest son's wedding, which was several years ago now, that he and his wife Heidi, my son Mark, he and his wife Heidi, they just made their vows towards, to one, one another. I was actually leading the service and 
friend of mine, Barney Coombs, was actually doing the address, and so we were having a very nice time, and they'd been cheering and, you know, kissing when they made the covenant and all the rest of it, and everything that goes on with a beautiful uh, wedding ceremony and all the rest. And then Barney stands up, and he says, Mark and Heidi, I need to tell you, you're in trouble. This wasn't a very auspicious start to a wedding address, we didn't think, you know, but you're in trouble. You have today promised to do things you can never do. You have promised to be faithful and loyal and loving and selfless, unselfish. But let me tell you something, you can't do it. You better throw yourselves on Christ for his strength, and then you might be able to do it. Whew, there was an answer. It was a good answer. It was a positive answer. You know, now all I want to say is, can you live in permanent, lasting relationships answer yes with the help of christ because it's only christ who can help us to be unselfish and loving and giving and all the rest of it because most of us are made selfish and demanding and thoughtless and all those sort of things uh, so you can uh, so we're going to worship the lord again um and I just want to offer, as we worship, we come back to worship, uh, obviously prayer is available for those who want it. This golden thread covenant is very, very powerful uh, and is a powerful part of our lives. comes from God, but it catches us up in the life of God in this covenant love. But look, I want to invite anyone who's never properly received Christ to take a very bold step this morning and say, actually, I want to be part of this covenant love. I want to receive this love of God into my life. And there will be other people coming forward for prayer. Why don't you come forward and let someone talk with you and pray with you uh, and just lead you to know the love of God in your life. If there's anyone here who isn't sure whether God still loves you, maybe because you've been in a place of wandering, you've not been that close to God, or perhaps you just have natural doubts, why don't you come forward and get somebody to pray with you? Because those doubts will dog your Christian life for years and you need to live in the assurance of Christ. I want to suggest that anyone who has, through unanswered prayer or disappointments or even the ups and downs of life, you've lost hope, joy and assurance, why don't you come and get some prayer? Because God wants us to walk on a different level, not fearful of what's to come in the future. Not wondering whether and hoping for the best, but sure of God's love and that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And I want to suggest that anyone who's walked through broken relationships, and it might be with your parents, it might be in your family, it might be through divorce situations, it might be through love relationships that have gone wrong or something, and maybe you've become hardened and cynical about life, relationships and genuine friendship. I want to invite you to come and get healed this morning because it is just such a shame that you walk with those wounds in your heart and your life when God wants to set you free so that you can look forward to enjoying covenant love with him and a covenant walk with him. There is an everlasting love for every one of us to live in today. Amen? So, as the band leads us, they'll lead us straight back into worship. As the band leads us, if anyone here uh, wants prayer to respond in those ways, please come.
and uh, and people will come forward and pray for you.